Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 159. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. You can check out all my resources for school leaders at my website, williamdparker.com. Today, we'll be discussing engaging students and shaping their own stories with my guest, Jesse Haynes. Jesse is one of those rare people that you meet in life who has dared to make his dreams come true. He is one of my former students, but he is actively reaching audacious personal goals, publishing multiple books, creating podcasts with millions of downloads just while in high school and now just finishing college. He's recently come out with a book that he calls Leader Force. It's a publication, a generous gift of lessons birthed from many successes as well as failures that he's sharing with students across the nation. And today, Jesse's going to be sharing with us some of the essential lessons that he's learned in his own experiences, as well as lessons that students can learn in shaping their own stories. Jesse, I'll give you an opportunity to introduce yourself even more in just a minute, but welcome to Principal Matters. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you. It is. It's great to be here. Well, I want you to begin by telling a little bit of your story. I've known you for a very long time, and I am so privileged that you reached out to me with the ideas that you have for student leadership growth, because I love sharing resources with school leaders. But tell us a little bit about who is Jesse Haynes and what led you into your creative work, into shaping a story that you've been sharing with others for several years now. Like you said, I'm Jesse. I'm a proud graduate of Skyatook High School, and I went all the way through the Skyatook school system, where I was learned and shaped, and a lot of the teachers and faculty member there are the people who influenced me to become this creative storyteller that I am today. And then from there, I went to the University of Tulsa and studied media studies. It's this fun crossroads between English and business, learn how to market, learn how to brand, built on some of the stuff I picked up in junior and senior year of high school. Since then, I've just been working and writing, and now I'm going to get my MBA at TU, and I am currently working as a grad assistant with the marketing and communications program. So... That's, that's a little background on me. Well, congratulations, Jesse. Talk a little bit about some of the books that you've already published and give us an idea of what kinds of resources you've already been creating. Okay, awesome. My first two novels are middle grade. Um, they're more targeted toward the reluctant readers. That's, that's one of my favorite target audiences of mine. <laughs> when I first got into reading, and this is crazy as it sounds, but I wasn't big on it. I didn't want to read something unless it was just something that really hooked me. So those are the kind of students that I want to write for as well. I want to turn some of those reluctant readers into these avid readers like I've become. So my first two books are middle grade action and adventure books, and they're called Creepers. They were published a small publishing house, and they're available on my website, justsayinsauthor.com, if you're interested in checking them out. I recently, in December of 2018, signed a four-book deal with Roadrunner Press, which is out of Oklahoma City. So it's a traditional publisher. It's exciting to kind of Work through the same process, but on a different scale, have a different team working with me. And the first book of a trilogy, it's called Gifted, and it's a young adult magical realism book. Think Star Wars meets Maze Runner meets X-Men. That's, that's my best pitch for it. It's going to be coming out within the next couple months. I don't have a firm release date yet, but pretty soon. I'm very excited about that. Well, in all the years that I've known you, Jesse, you've always been a creator. And listeners, those of you that don't know Jesse Haynes, Jesse was also a a star athlete. He was a state champion in the discus. Was it the discus or the throw? Discus. In yes. the discus. And he was also uh, a, an amazing uh, basketball player. And so I've been able to watch Jesse both in athletics 
and academics. He was the valedictorian of our school and I've watched him pursue his creative bents. And so you may think that, oh, this young man must be a superhero. But really what I've learned about Jesse is the power of embracing his own self-development, setting amazing goals, and then inspiring others to do the same. And so Jesse, today I'm so excited for you to share some of the things that you've been sharing with students. Last year, you were invited to speak at our National Honor Society State Conference and you shared with students there. And that's where you and I began this conversation that we're having right now in this podcast. But I wanted you to take a few minutes and just can you share some of the lessons that you've been using to inspire students when they are thinking about their own self-development? Absolutely. And that, that points us back toward this new publication of mine that just released this week, and it's called Leader Fours. It's, it's a short 30-something page PDF available free on my website, and it walks through these six different Leader Fours. It's, it's a play on words. It's a metaphor that teaches leadership. It's a book intended for leaders. It's a book intended for leaders of leaders, but it just it's a vessel to carry these six ideas that are some of the most important things that I've picked up from mentors like yourself, from people I've met in college, from all the influential people in my life that have come and dropped all this, all this wise knowledge on me. And I've tried my best to condense it into something that would be um, digestible and something that's going to carry some weight with anybody who reads it, whether you're 50 years old, whether you're 75 and retired, or whether you're a high school student that is trying to find ways to motivate the people around you. Walk through some of those with us, Jesse. First of all, just give us a summary of what those leadership lessons are. And then let's just focus on one of them that I can share. The first one in the book, I open it with a original metaphor of mine, leaders build bridges. And we're going to transition from that into leaders sow seeds, leaders score points. That's kind of calling upon my, my history in basketball that we just discussed. Leaders stay connected is the fourth. Leaders quilt is the fifth. And finally, it concludes with leaders scrape their knees. We'll just start at the very top. Leaders build bridges is a metaphor about two types of people in life. And my condensed version of it is it basically boils down to this. There's two different kinds of people in the world. There's the people I call the watchers and there's people that are bridge builders. So in this this scenario, in this metaphor, everybody on earth is on one island and there's a sea that's this choppy water, shark infested, not a good swim. And it's separating the people on island A from island B, which is the island of their dreams. It's the island that they can see in the distance. They know they're going to be happy there. They know they want to be there, but they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to pass those shark infested waters and get to the other side. So that that circles back to our two kinds of people. The watchers are the people that are content to set with their, maybe their toes in the water and just longingly stare out across the ocean at that island of their dreams. But then there's the people that are the bridge builders. And these bridge builders are the ones that are, they're looking constantly at what's around them. Any, and they'll use anything, any kind of tool they can make, any kind of connection they can build to bridge across these waters and get to the island of their dreams. Those are the kind of people that leaders are. They're the kinds of people that not only see what they want to do, and where they want to go in life, but they're the kinds of people that take action. And I believe taking action is the big step to actually realizing these big dreams. That's what separates a leader from a, a watcher, as my metaphor says. That's great. I love that lesson. Well, you and I both know that in order to accomplish something big, it requires risk. And Jesse, I'm just really curious, what are some experiences that you've had where you have failed And what are some of the lessons you've learned through that failure? Because some people stop at those moments. And I know that you have experienced a lot of success, but I imagine that's come with failure. 
Absolutely. I have nine, nine out of 10 times I try something, I fail, but it's worth it every time that you have that, that one success. I decided back in fourth grade that I wanted to publish a novel before I graduated from high school. That was my ambitious goals as a fourth grader. I didn't realize how lofty of goals those were at the time. But that said, I didn't know the process. I didn't know any of it. So the biggest example of failure I can think of is when I, dis- when I wrote this first book, and I was so proud of it. I, I was in eighth or ninth grade. I didn't know a lot, of, a lot of rules of the English language even. But I started sending out query letters, and I sent out, honestly, probably 150. And obviously, since uh, it never got a publishing deal, all of them were rejections and they would come. Some of them would be very impersonal. Some of them would be, hey, we read this and just politely or passing. But there was just constant rejections. And I get to the point that every day in my inbox, there would be two or three people just saying I'm not good enough. I didn't, my work wasn't good enough. And instead of getting down about it, I decided, all right, maybe with some time I can improve, I need to practice, I need to work, and then eventually hopefully I'll get to the point where they'll be emailing me back and saying we're interested. And maybe of those 150 people I sent it out to, maybe I'll have five or six people contacting me and saying, hey, we'd be interested in acquiring this, this story. And that kind of became my dream, but all the rejections that I got along the way, and it's particularly tough as a 14 or 15 year old, but all those rejections really helped inspire me to to improve my writing, improve my storytelling, and make it happen. That's one example of failures leading to leading to inspiration. Well, what I love about that story is I know you're familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's book where he talks about outliers, people that are very talented in their fields, but they're often considered exceptional among their peers. And often those individuals who are considered outliers who reach goals before those around them will have demonstrated approximately 10,000 hours of practice on an area so that they become an expert. And Gladwell's research showed that those people that we consider outliers are often first developers when it comes to that skill or that talent compared to their peers. And so what's exciting about your story, Jesse, is you, you discovered at a young age a passion that you had. You began developing it. And then in trial and error, finding ways to try to shape that craft, but those rejections didn't shut you down. And that's the amazing part of that story because I know a lot of people who on one rejection would have decided this isn't for me. This is, I need to go a different direction. But with hundreds of rejections, you began, you kept working and even into your high school experience. And it was your, I believe your senior year of high school that you finally found that break you were looking for, that first publisher that was willing to give you an opportunity for your novel Creepers. And so what did that feel like when you finally had the opportunity to move from failures to an opportunity? Yeah, it was fantastic. I was sitting in a trig and pre-calc and I got an email from, from the publisher that said, yes, we're interested. We'd love to acquire this and, and make it happen. And just finally getting that break was the most rewarding thing that it was worth every rejection I'd received to up to that point. And there'd been a lot of them. The, the first book I told you guys about was, uh, was backburnered. And the final, this one that finally got accepted, Creepers, was my third attempt at writing a book. So there's a lot of rejections there and they added up. But when I finally got that acceptance letter, I, it, was, it was totally worthwhile. Everything there was made out worthwhile. Well, let's rewind that tape because I know that you experienced trial and error rejection 
And then you experience this euphoric moment of sitting in your math class when you get this message on your computer that your book has been accepted. But I want you to rewind that back to the summer where you decided to tackle that project for that book that was published. Because you've, I've heard you tell the story in front of students and assemblies. I've, I've traveled with you to, to see you talk to middle school students and gymnasiums. And, and as you've unpacked that story, it's a story of, of strategic planning and goal setting that's really doable for anyone, but it's certainly something that helps you reach that goal. So I want you to unpack that for just a minute. What are some of the specific things that you did to reach that goal so that people can take the cover off of that success and see the hard work that was involved? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of writers out there that are just, they ooze creativity and they sit down and they write and they, they quote, let their characters tell the story. I've had creative writing classes and that's, I hear that phrase quite often. I'm, I'm not like that. I, I don't, I don't know how to do it like that. And I'm a planner. I I mentioned that earlier. So when I tell a story, when I'm writing a book, I sit down before I ever start pinning any of the words and I outline the entire story from chapter one to chapter 30, or I just finished a 76 chapter outline yesterday, short chapters, but 76 chapter outline. And I'm very excited about that. But I try to tell the entire story so I can look at it and I can work on it and I can work through it. So with Creepers, when I did it, I sat down, I outlined my 20 chapters and I, I said, all right, this is, I want it to be about 200 pages. Like I didn't want to write it and then find out that it was 110 pages or something. And it was this really short novel. So I figured now well, I need to write about X amount of words per chapter, give or take, like it's not a super strict formula. But once I found that out and decided how long I thought this book was going to be. Then I came up with a, uh, just a schedule and I mapped it out on my calendar that I was going to write 750 words every day. I don't remember the exact number, but we'll say 750 words every day over the summer. It was also right before I joined Barbara Barden's uh, AP Cal- or AP language class. So we were reading Moby Dick over that summer too, in preparation for junior year of high school. So I was uh, reading and annotating Moby Dick by day. And then I was writing my 750 words of creepers by night. And that was a well of a summer. As a Moby Dick pun for you guys. Yeah, but that that's such a great example of the planning, the strategy, the tenacity that it takes to reach goals. And so often when I'm when I'm talking to to leaders that are trying to, let's say school leaders that are trying to initiate some huge change in their school, or maybe they're going to do an entire new course or they're going to introduce something that's big, the the difficulty is often that overwhelming feeling of how do I reach that end, how do I create that end product? What you described there, Jesse, is such great planning for any leader because if you can take that, that entire product and break it into segments, figure out what those biteable moments are, those, what you can chew one bite at a time, and then commit yourself to that consistency, then at the end of that scheduled time, you're going to be, even if you have stops, even if you have interruptions, even if you have days that you can't work, by working that, that calendar and that system, you're going to be so much closer to your goal than you ever would have been otherwise. And that's what worked for you. Just a couple of years after your book with Creepers, you came out with a, a podcast that was another creative work of yours. And that podcast was another piece of fiction that you created. And this time you decided to hire a voice actor and turn that into a narrative story about a man captured on a de- desert island where he ends up being surrounded by s- scary monsters. I'm not going to give away the whole story. But talk about that podcast experience for just a moment because that was another big project that you took on where you tried to do something risky that no one else had done before. And now there's lots of people doing that kind of work, but how did that experience work out for you? 
that was that's very similar to my story about writing the novel too because that podcast we referenced the others those that was technically my second podcast i started a nonfiction one beforehand called cryptid creatures and i recorded it in laying in the floor of my closet so the, the so the clothes would dampen the sound and kill some of the reverb so i recorded it with this 20 dollar mic in my closet and from there kind of branched out it developed a decent following. I was telling the science and myth behind animals that may or may not be- exist. So it's kind of a what do you believe in sort of mysterious thing. And a lot of a lot of different shows in that genre have been popping up too. I've noticed since, since Creatures kind of took off. But from there after, and those were getting, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 30,000 downloads a show over, over time. And then I wanted to, as a storyteller, somebody who just loves selling fiction, I wanted to branch off into a more fictional podcast. I wanted to write a story as opposed to doing research about these mythological cryptids, basically. So that, that's what led me to the idea with the others. And I turned that into a project. The University of Tulsa actually helped fund the microphone and the equipment we used. And we made it an independent study and it eventually has led to this TU podcasting lab, which I'm currently working at now to come up with a podcast for the university as my grad assistantship project, basically. But taking the lessons learned from the first podcast and then turning that into another podcast, I really saw what worked, what didn't work. And I learned not to be afraid to reach out and take shots in the dark. I sent iTunes a cold email and said, Hey, would you guys be interested in featuring this in the new and noteworthy page? It's a podcast about here's the summary. And I said, I just love to get featured. If at all possible, would you be willing? What's it take? They asked and said, hey, can we get a sample? And then they eventually liked the first episode and it was on the new and noteworthy for three or four days. And while it was on there, it gained some traction and throughout the course of its seven episode life, it started accumulating way more downloads than I ever expected. And uh, I wish I could have somehow turned it into a series, but it was basically bookended with a, a first first episode and a seventh episode that told the entire story. So I wish I could have kept it going, but it was a, it was a very fun short lived audio podcast that I hope you guys all can check out. How many downloads has that podcast seen in its, in its life span? It, it surpassed 2 million. So it's been my most successful one of all time. Yeah. By, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, significantly. Well, Jesse, what I love about all those stories is that you are a great example of a young person who's taken the technology that's been available, the ideas and creativity that you have in your own mind, the strategies and goals that you want for for reaching those goals, and then you have harnessed all of those things together to accomplish amazing things. And, And as a school leader, what has been so encouraging to me is your ability to be innovative in every setting that you're in to make the most of those settings. I talk to a lot of school leaders that are looking at their students and trying to figure out ways to encourage them to be, to provide relevant opportunities for them to apply what they're learning because you and I both know some students think school is incredibly boring and you've had experiences that have been both boring and have been challenging and others exhilarating. But even in your experience at TU, you were able to create an independent study based on an idea that you had with some professors who were forward thinking enough to give you those opportunities. What advice would you have to school leaders who may have middle school kids in front of them, high school kids in front of them every year? What would be your advice to them to encourage those students to try to practice uh, creative outlets for these ideas that they have, whether it's in technology or in writing or in other creative venues? I'd say in, in 2019 America, there's so many ways to express creativity 
that anybody with this creative knack, creative idea, there's so many options to choose from, be it podcasting, creative writing. We can all start our YouTube channel. There's so many free and very often useful, easy to interface with technologies out there that there's no reason not to try to give in and and support these dreams because some of these crazy dreams will not work. I've had many plans that definitely fell flat, but it's super rewarding for both the student and the mentor when you do get those moments where the podcast takes off because the, the others took off as my independent study. Basically we had a nice donation to the media studies department and now have a very fancy podcasting lab with, with three microphones and a lot of nice equipment. And those kind of rare moments are so worthwhile that I don't know why you, you wouldn't want to take a shot as a leader or a leader of leaders to lean into these ideas and embrace them wholeheartedly. Jesse, another area in your leader fours lessons that you share with students is on the power of the seed. And I want you to talk about that for just a moment. What do you mean by that, that leader for that metaphor, and then walk us through, and I know this is, it's a long story, but walk us through a little bit of what that looked like for you on those small things that you've done that have created big moments. In the metaphor, I talk about farmers growing and they're investing just a tiny little particle into the ground, expecting some kind of big return. And obviously not all the seeds are going to sprout. Some of them die, there might be a drought and you can't count on that. But if you sow enough seeds, then you're going to eventually reap a big reward. And one of the things I talk about in Leader Fours is trying to constantly be sowing seeds and trying to be forward thinking, as you said a minute ago, because those forward thinking people are the ones that have enough uh, farsightedness to kind of stay ahead of the wave. So the example that I use as the seed, I I sowed the biggest seed, and this is obviously not something that everybody's going to do. Everybody doesn't like fiction writing, but I use my publishing my first book as the seed. And it walks you through everything that became of the seed being sown. For example, I, I published my first book and I was called into the Skytech Journal, the local newspaper, and they said, hey, would you write, want to be our sports writer? So I left this interview with them about my book with the sports writer job. And from there... I got hired by the Tulsa World to write sports for them, the Uluga Lake Theater to write sports for them, and I got a lot of different jobs that came out of it. Uh, because of the book, the University of Tulsa saw the story that the Tulsa World wrote about me, and they said, hey, here's a very generous scholarship if you want to come be a fiction writer at our school. So that really paved the way for me to go to TU. Because that book, even I really got to know you very well, Mr. Barker, and that's been such an inspiration and you, I've learned a lot from you as a, as a close mentor because we bonded over this, this love of fiction. You talked to me about website building, marketing, platforming. You inspired me to podcast with your Principal Matters podcast. This very podcast is what made me say, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to use some kind of creative outlet like that to share my voices with the masses. And even because of that book, I got to travel and um, visit some conferences, some in-state conferences, some out-of-state conferences. And it was at these conferences where I met the publisher I'm with now And yes, it was a self-published book that I was traveling with, but because I reached out and tried to build on these connections, it got me in the doors of these these conferences. And then I met Jean at Roadrunner Press, and we struck up a conversation, and she's eventually read my stuff and welcomed me to the team. So that's one example of just, just how much stuff spawned from the one seed I planted of publishing a book. And seeds aren't going to all be that big. Sometimes my seeds might be deciding to 
I don't know, deciding to not go buy three McChickens because I want to save the $3 and buy a new podcasting equipment or something like that. But just always looking at the bigger picture and trying to evaluate what's going to be more rewarding, what's going to offer higher potential for something that's very exciting and a big personal development. Mm. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing those stories. And Principal Matters listeners, I know you're being inspired like I am, because as you look at the students in your building who have creative ideas, who are talented, who are full of so much potential, you never know uh, what decision that they're going to be making, even when they're in your school, that could open doors for them later down the road. And, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to share Jesse's story with you today, just to remind you that sometimes those conversations that you have with students that where you're motivating them or you're encouraging them to try something new, you may, you may never know the fruit that that's going to bear later on. And I've just had the privilege of, of staying connected with Jesse and watching him develop these ideas, watching him try the things. And the one thing that I love about you most, Jesse, is almost every time I give you a suggestion, even now that you're a young adult, you almost always follow up with me later and say, I tried it and here's the results that I got from this or, or you have questions about it. And so you're a lifelong learner. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I want to encourage you to reach out and check out Jesse's resources. So Jesse, can you share if someone's interested in looking at your resources, your free ebook for uh, teachers or students, how can they stay connected with you and how can they learn more? Absolutely. I'd love that. I'd love if you guys would contact me. If you visit www.jessehainesauthor.com, we'll have the link in the show notes. If you visit it, there's a tab called Leadership, and you can find all the info and the Leader Force PDF download right there. So you'll uh, sign up for a subscription. It's going to come to you via email, and you'll have the free ebook to use and share. I'm excited. One exciting part of it is that every Leader Force has a in-classroom activity to share with the students that teaches leadership. It has some assessment questions. So I'd love to, even if you want to go the extra step and not only download it and read it and pass it on with your students, but if you want to try out some of these fun activities, they're honestly, I've seen some leadership activities that as a high school student, I can say that I was not too interested in participating in, but I think all these are fun. I truly do. And I'd love if, if you guys would be interested in checking out doing so, performing these with your students and, and letting me know the results. If you're interested in my books, they're also on justhandsauthor.com. They're on the main page. If you're interested in my podcasting, there's a podcasting page where you can find the podcast, links to all the podcasts, and even access to my 13-page how to podcast guide, which uses information that I've learned, personal discoveries, and just points you toward the best resources from the big names in podcasting, but that can teach you how to do it a whole lot better than I can, but it's a really helpful guide that I think could be uh, a big asset to anybody trying to get into the podcast producing industry. Jesse, what's one parting word of advice that you would give to Principal Matters listeners as we wrap up today's conversation? The never count out a student. There are so many talented, uniquely talented individuals out there that I run into every day that sometimes it's the most quiet kid in the class that blows my mind with what he comes up with or what she says. And those are the ones that I never see coming, but it's even the most inspiring. So I would say lean into those, those creative activities and those creative ideas that they express and be sure to, whether it's the most outspoken person in the class or the shy one that sits in the very back, listen to it, embrace it, and big things can come from any of them. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I know you have been inspired as I have by Jesse Haynes talking about ways that we can engage students to shape their own stories. So 
Jesse, thank you so much for the opportunity to tell your story with others. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you so much for the time that you have listened this week as you're getting ready to start school. Remember to, as Jesse said, lean into those moments where you give students opportunities to grow, to shine, to explore, to create, to innovate, create the atmosphere so that they can do that in your schools because what you do matters. And we'll talk to you soon.